0: This is a post-Christian podcast.
1: Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast.
2: All right, everybody, welcome to Revolution. Welcome to the online listeners. Welcome to the people who are here in person. Welcome to the Facebook Live. Um, so my European plans got changed by Brixtet. <laughs> So now I'm going to Belfast, United Kingdom. That's my only joke I have for Brexit. Yeah. That was a weird day, wasn't it? All the stuff that got voted for about the impeachment and then Brexit and everything all one day. It was just like weird politics happening everywhere. Yeah. Well, we're getting started, I guess. I'm talking about international politics, everybody, because that's what I do. (laughs) Um. Um, International-minded. Revolution international. That's what we should call ourselves. Um, Well, we made it through Galatians 4. Whew! Thank goodness. Um, Today we have almost as many kids as we do adults. So uh, Caleb is in full children's pastor mode today. I got one of mine here. So Milo's here. That's fun. Um, how was everybody's week? Thumbs up here. Thumbs up over here. Thumbs up over here. Caleb, how was your week? Pretty good? You know, maybe we should just get you sitting on the side and we could do kind of like a co-host. <laughs> Jay, you slay me. Um <laughs> So, yeah, I hope everybody else had a good week. Um, I had a really weird week. Um, Life is always strange for me. Overthinkers, though, I think it's just kind of a curse, you know. Um, And trying to decide, my my son was born on August 27th, and so we have to decide on kindergarten if we go now or we go later. And so that's been really fun, interesting thing to figure out. Um so today in punk rock history two major things happened. Um my favorite punk band Stiff Little Fingers released uh, Inflammable Materials and um that came out 41 years ago today. And uh I've got I've got some fun plans based around the punk, that band but I can't tell anybody yet and, um, and Sid Vicious overdosed and lost his life 41 years ago today so it's really kind of, kind of a weird day in punk rock history and uh, you know whatever so it's just weird that all the punk rockers are just getting older and older and older and I'm getting older too it's weird Um, I'm not ready to take the reins yet. Um, so we're in Galatians 5. Now, Paul's been dealing with, um, the Gauls, the Galatians, um, defending himself, trying to put everybody back into the right system, which he believes is living by grace and not by works. Um, this letter is, is just, has so many different facets, um you know it's like he's defending himself he's defending the his what he believes the faith is um he's also basically pleading with these folks to not go back to the old law and um and it's really a great book on understanding grace you know um martin luther the german reformer said that this book was the book that changed his life. You know, he thought God hated him and uh, until he read the book of Galatians, and it revolutionized his life. Um, and I have to say it did the same thing to me 20-some-odd years ago, where I was in the same kind of mode of, like, religion had become extremely toxic for my life, and I thought God hated me, and I thought it was all about, like, what I could do or couldn't do, and um, and I read Galatians, and I was like, man, have I been sold a bill of goods, you know, and it was funny, because I remember telling my friend D.E. Polk, I said, you know, we were roommates, and we were like brothers, and I was like, man, I, I just, he's like, what's wrong, man, and I was just like, I just feel like God hates me, I feel guilty constantly. And it's really strange to be so far removed from that now. I, I don't have a lot of religious guilt. My guilt comes from human beings, um, the old-fashioned way. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I really felt like just miserable all the time, you know. And because I, I think a lot, because I'm kind of an overthinker, and I'm and a, 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 a bit of a introvert. I would have times where I would just sit by myself and just feel like just heaviness on my shoulders and just feel misery on my shoulders of just like, there is no hope, you know. And so understanding grace was amazing to me. Amazing grace, you could say. Um, And I remember calling my dad late at night on the phone and being like, Dad, why didn't we talk about grace? You know, what's the deal? Why why wasn't grace something we talked about? You know, and he's like, well, you know, sometimes it just seems too good to be true. You know, So, I mean, here you had one of the biggest evangelical ministers of the 80s who still was afraid of grace because of the theology he was raised in because he was still like, it's still scary. And that's what we're dealing with with Paul here is a bunch of people who are saying, this seems too good to be true. We think Paul's trying to tickle your ears and make you happy. Now, this is the great thing about Paul is because Paul gets such a bad rap For every, you know, and a lot of people are just like, you know, oh, I don't read Paul anymore. You know, I don't want anything to do with Paul. And my last book that I wrote that didn't do very well, but I think it still was my best book. um, Some people, like, told me, like, you know, I feel like you redeemed Paul a little bit for me. You know, it was like, I don't think that it was like I was redeeming Paul. It was just, I just focused on the good parts of Paul. You know, like the good stuff of Paul and did my research and realized that a lot of stuff that has been used as as Paul wasn't Paul, you know? And so I think we had something, you know, I mean, are there still things that Paul says that I think are really Paul that I don't agree with? Yes, you know, Um, but that's the great thing about Paul is Paul opens up the landscape for us to disagree with him. You know, and uh, and to disagree with all the the prophets and the writers of the Bible, you know, so very interesting stuff. Um, so let's get into Galatians five. Um, it says five one for freedom. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firmly, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. So, right, you know, once again, he's just to the back, just saying, like, you know, and, and I just totally get this because that's how I felt for so long, you know, is, is this idea of, of uh, just that yoke, you know, that burden. Of, of this judgment from God. You know, I just felt this huge burden. And I had taken it on. And it was weird because I was raised in the, evan- you know, the Assemblies of God, evangelical faith. And, um, and I had that burden of law on me until I was 20 years old. I'd helped start Revolution Church with some friends of mine in Arizona and was still under the law. But just a new law... It was kind of like what Paul's confronting here. It was a new law with Jesus. It was just Jesus with laws, you know. Like Jesus likes you, but God, mm, not really a big fan, and so he's keeping records. So, you know, good luck with that. You know, so it was like this weird, like, like, you know, it was like having an abusive father. You know, my two dads. You know, <laughs> and then Jesus, who's like, oh, dude, I'll, you know, I'll try to watch out for you, but be careful, you know. <laughs> And um, and Paul is trying to direct his folks away from this, and, uh, and direct everyone away from this. So Paul goes on to say, "Listen, I Paul, am telling you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no benefit to you, because that's one of the big things they were saying. You know, you need, in order to convert, you need to be circumcised. And I saw a really, really funny mem. Is it a mem? Is that what they call them? Meme? Ugh can't get anything right these days um really funny meme the other day and uh it was god talking to abraham and basically god's like hey abraham uh when i made human beings i messed up with the penis so i need you to take about a inch of skin off if you could and abraham's like what you know i don't know i thought it was kind of funny um because that's what they do in circumcision everybody if you don't know um it's like a cigar cutter. Um, and I could say that, you know, probably if you're an adult and you're saying, like, hey, you want to join our religion? This is all you have to do. You're probably like, eh, I'm good. <laughs> so you're saying, no bacon, and I have to... Eh, no, 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 I'll pass. Um, so maybe Paul was just one of those hip evangelicals who's like, hey, I'm going to make <laughs> being, following God easier. No, um... But he's saying it's no—it's no benefit to you. Like doing things is not the a benefit of 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 faith or how you get faith. You know, doing things is is something that comes out of it's um. That's what word I'm looking for? It's a—it's not an—it's not the action. It's kind of reaction. You know, it's that kind of growth. You know, that that comes out of faith over time. You know. And we're here putting the cart before the horse. So for me, I was paralyzed because I thought it was all about me. As soon as I realized it was I was accepted, no matter what, I was like, oh. Then I was able to focus on other people, and then I was able to get back in the ministry again. Because I would quit the church and got a job at the Gap, being a denim expert. Um, you know, just living my life. And uh, then I read this, I was like, I have to do church again. I have to do start, maybe I'll start a revolution. Maybe I'll call my friends and see if they mind if I start revolution in Atlanta. You know, it was that moment of that idea of grace that that burden was taken off me that said, oh, I want to do this. And that's why I'm still sitting here. My lifelong work is because of this idea of there's nothing you can do. You don't have to do anything. You know, boom, you know, Reformation moment for me. Um. And I kind of wish we could still talk to each other in these kind of ways, the way that Paul's talking to the the Galatians. Um, I mean, it's one-sided because we don't get to see a return letter or anything like that. But I just wish we could still have these kind of tough talks, you know, or these interesting talks without going down to the low point. I mean, I tried to have a conversation with somebody recently on Twitter, you know, and they went and were like, oh, I know who you are. You're so-and-so's son so that makes sense, you know, and they went to the, like, the lowest thing, you know what I mean, I was like, ah, great, you know, but then we kind of made up, and tried to have a conversation, and then I guess I said something wrong, and then they deleted everything, and wouldn't talk to me anymore, and blocked me, so it's like, we can't, we can't have these, like, conversations about the Bible, or anything, without getting angry, or cutting each other off, or doing this, and stuff, and I don't know. I mean, for me, it's like talking about this stuff is is revolutionary and changing, you know, and changing concepts and sharing radical concepts with people, you know. This guy was more, probably more of a conservative, definitely more conservative than I was, So, but I was like saying, well, these you know, pastoral epistles, I'm not going to go there because I don't believe they're, you know, right, and that might have been, when I said they were forgeries, that might have been the red flag for them, I don't know. Um, but still, it was the idea of like, hey, let's you know, let's have tough conversations. You know, you can say something mean and apologize for it, and then I can accept the apology. You know, we can try that. I, I like, I like the idea of having tough conversations. Um, and I've really learned a lot of that from having very good friends from Belfast, who, especially Pete Rollins, who just, you know, shoots really straight with me about stuff. You know, and that's uh, not always fun but it is usually very productive and usually causes a lot of growth. Um, it helps if you have a sense of humor. It really helps. I think sometimes think I'm being snotty with my humor, but it's just... I'm just trying to put a little spoonful of sugar help the medicine go down. Um, once again, I testify that to every man who lets himself be circumcised, that he is... N- Obligated to obey the entire law. You who want to be justified by the law have cut yourself off from Christ. I'm sure the pun was intended there. You have fallen from grace. Now this is funny because I remember when I was a kid, there was a movie, a TV movie that came out from about my parents, and it was called Fall from Grace. And uh, I was like, "What does falling from grace mean?" Like I really thought about that idea after I um you know, after I started understanding grace. Like, how do you fall from grace? And basically, the only way you really fall from grace is by putting yourself into a system of works that says, I have to be this, I have to do this, you know? Um, And people always want an asterisk with grace, you know? And that's why I think grace is kind of an anarchist idea is because people are like, well, you know, it's so funny because I just saw one of my friends who's, super liberal, super woke on the thing and he's talking about grace and like, yeah, grace is good and grace can cover Trump and all that stuff, you know. But if he doesn't repent and he doesn't do this, it's just cheap grace. And I know where, you know, the idea of cheap grace, you know, I I understand the concept there. Um, But when I wrote about the idea of cheap grace, I said, no, it's not actually cheap grace. Um, It's free grace. Unfortunately for us all, but what is the idea of that, and we're going to get into that in a second, but the idea is is that grace, by it really, something shifts in your brain, by accepting grace, by accepting you are accepted, something kind of goes, bloop, and something happens, and those are called fruits, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, Um. For through the Spirit by faith we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For if Christ Jesus neither for, for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, the only thing that counts is faith working through love. Now listen to this. Think about this. So he's going. He's like, it doesn't matter if you are or you aren't. He's like, that's not the point. So it's not us and them. Once again, you know, Paul had just recently in the end of three said, there is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female. And, what he's, and he goes on to say, like, if you're circumcised, it's not going to help you, but it's also not going to hurt you. You know, he's, like, he's saying, like, you know, it doesn't matter. It just has nothing to do with faith. And then he says, you know, here, the only thing that counts is faith working through love. And then you think about Corinthians 13 where Paul talks about love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, endures through every circumstance, um, doesn't demand its own way, um, a lot of good stuff in Corinthians 13. So what he's saying is is the only thing that counts is faith working through love. He's saying love is the most important thing and that our faith somehow re- reproduces love. That's what's important. That's the... That's the actions that you want from this faith is that something, that love comes out of it. That's what we're looking for. And Paul's, Paul's explanation on love in Corinthians 13, I mean, if you've ever gone to a wedding, you've probably heard that verse read a million times. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and just jump back and read it really quick. How are we doing on time? We're doing okay. Love is patient, love is kind... Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoings, but rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. You know, and at the end it says, um, And now faith, hope, and love abide. The, these three, the greatest of these is love. So Paul put the idea of love above hope and above faith. And I think when you kind of combine faith and hope together, you get grace. You get this idea of grace. I I think they're all kind of interrelated. But this idea of love, he's saying love is the ultimate law. Um, I think it's in what, 1 John, where it says God is love. So, So Paul is saying that That's the the point of this whole thing is that we love each other. You know, the whole point of me saying don't do this, don't do that is that we are transformed through love, that we're not transformed to have faith, but that faith transforms us so we can better love one another. (sighs) We'll go on. You were running well. Who prevented you from obeying the truth? Here Paul's kind of getting talking about the enemy, his, his enemies again. Such persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough. I am confident about you and the Lord that you will not think otherwise. But whoever it is that is confusing you Will pay the penalty. Well, he's getting mad. I'm not sure what that penalty is, but um, but he's saying, you know, like just a little bit of law, just a little bit of legalism, just a little bit, of, just a little asterisk sign there can spread. You know, and that's when we start, like us super grace talkers, sometimes we'll start not showing grace to other people. It happens. I've seen it happen. I've seen like some of my favorite favorite writers about grace all of a sudden like look at somebody and be like. But the reason they don't really get grace is, you know, I'm going like, wait a second. You just said A, B, and C. Why are we all of a sudden now this person's not quite getting grace? Grace really is a pain in the butt, folks. Trust me. I've been talking about it my most of my life, my, my whole career, you know, 98% of my career. And it really is a pain to try to explain. Um, because it really does take us to another place. You know, it really does give us this idea of (sighs) loving people who are hard to love, loving people who aren't nice. You know, sometimes I have to love from a distance. But you know what? There's other times where I can't even do that. I'm forced to be in a friendship or relationship or something like that where I've got to just be in it. And practice grace, but also have boundaries i don 't think grace says no boundaries or grace doesn 't say you know keep yourself safe i don 't think that 's what grace does um, but I think it causes me to step back and look at what 's my motives. What are my motives here you know um, what's 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 the higher good here out of this friendship, or this relationship, or this work relationship—you know what I mean—where you're just like, <clears throat> you know, and sometimes grace is sitting down with someone and saying, "You've hurt me because of A, B, and C," and I want to let you know because what you're doing is is you're allowing them to see something in themselves that they might not see. I one time had somebody ask if they could meet me after service, and I was like, "Yeah, sure, you yeah, know, whatever," and that happens a million times, and. They sat down and said, I think you're a hypocrite. I <laughs> said, what? <laughs> and they're like, this is why. You're not, you, know, you don't want me to be involved because A, B, or C. And there was some slight truth to it. And I was like, oh, this doesn't feel very good. You know, I don't like this, um, especially because I'm not the one that's right. Um, and I saw it, and I changed. It didn't feel great, but I was really glad they said something because a little bit of my like judgmental old tapes in my head and my religion came into my mind and the idea that people needed to be a certain way to be involved in a church was, was there. And I didn't even see it. I was just saying like, yeah, it's probably not best this person's involved because... And they heard that. My friend told them. Thanks a lot. And um, Mark told them. Thanks, Mark. Um, and they called me out on it and they were right to. You know, I've had a few situations where people have sat down with me and been like, um, I think you're missing it here. And I'm like, oh, I don't like this because you're completely right. I am missing it. Um, so to me, that was grace. They, took the gra- they had the grace enough to sit down with me and not just leave, you know, and go talk about me other places, which I've had that happen a million times too. You know, like, oh, he's just blah, 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 blah. You know, and some people might have been right, but they didn't give me the chance to change. They didn't give me the chance to repent, which is only means change or turn. You know, that, that I didn't have that chance. So sometimes that's grace too. So folks, there we go. Um, but my friends, pay the, oh, the pay the penalty, there it was. But my friends, why am I still being persecuted if I'm still preaching circumcision? And that cause the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would castrate themselves. Okay, so Paul gets a little bit heavy again. So this is where you see Paul's humanity, you know. He went from like, you know, these guys are bad, they'll get to do the penalty, and, you know, everybody's covered by grace, and it's all about love. I love the fact that he's like, what's important is things through love. And then he's like, but I wish these people who were giving you this new message would just castrate themselves. And I don't have to explain castration to you. If I do, you could just Google it, but I'd stay away from images. Um... That's a pretty heavy thing to say. I just wish you'd cast. I wish my enemies would just castrate themselves. So he's angry. He's hurt. That's probably not the most graceful way to go about it. You know? I don't know how often he reviewed his letters after he read them, (laughs) wrote them. Like, this is good. No, 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 keep the castration thing. And I think it's it's a good point. Um, But you see the humanity. So we all get angry. We all say things. And we all go mad, you know, and sometimes maybe that's what we need. So I wish they would cut themselves off. For you were called in freedom, brothers and sisters, only not to use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgences, but through love become slaves to one another. Um, Because people were saying, well, Paul's freedom idea is just, you know, this willy-nilly, do whatever you want. And so he's saying, like, I'm not saying do whatever you want. You know, he's putting even a little asterisk there. He's saying, I'm saying is what's important is is that you learn to love each other, that this message is ultimately about loving each other. And I love that he says that right after he's just told his enemies that they should castrate themselves. Um, There's contradiction, you know, and we all have contradiction. When I'm practicing grace, I'm working against a, contra- a contradiction somewhere in my my, my mind. Because there's somewhere in my mind that says get even. You know? If it's just something silly like, oh I'll do a passive aggressive tweet or I'll just say something passive aggressive or I'll do this and it might hurt the person, you know, there's times where I you know I think we all want revenge. And I have to sometimes fight against that very feeling. Um, Because if I'm supposed to, through love, become slave to one another, there's an interesting thing. That's when I go, all of a sudden, why I can't scapegoat people and can't write people off. I'm trying to step back a little bit and see this as a bigger picture, not just exactly the words he's saying. But, like, I have to back up a little bit and go, like, with my dad, for example, like, you know, I say, Dad. Okay, what's the bigger picture here? You know, who are we? Are we our politics? Are we our faith? Are we humans? You know, at one point, do we kind of realize that, you know, what are we? What? What is? What's? Where, where is some common ground here? You know, because um, if love never gives up and never loses faith and always hopeful and endures through every circumstance, it's saying, well, then it's worth. It's worth. Having the hard conversations, it's worth arguing about. It's worth going the extra mile. You know, it's worth doing the work, the hard work. See, that's where works comes in. You know, everybody's trying to put works first, and Paul's saying, like, well, you know, maybe what I'm asking you to do is harder than a one-time snip, or you know, eating is not eating a certain food or, or have, celebrating a particular holiday. Maybe you know, if, if you really want to get into it, there is hard work. You know, but it's a reaction. It's 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 it comes from grace. Not you don't get grace because of you know. It's not you know you you receive grace and then it helps you. Now, are there people who don't believe in all this stuff and are loving and amazing and caring and, and graceful? Yes, grace is bigger than Christianity. Um, and love is as, as well. Um, for the whole law can summed up in a single commandment you shall love your neighbor as yourself if however you bite and devour one another take care that you are not consumed by one another you know last year I know I went on a really heavy kick on this this particular passage um so I'm trying not to run it into the ground. But, you know, think about if you put like First Corinthians thirteen four through 7 like on a card in your wallet. And then you also just put this uh, Galatians 5, 15 in, on the other side, you know. And you just kind of looked at it every now and then. However, if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. And we just completely are in a time and place where we are completely consumed with one another, you know? And we all are able to do that to strangers. We were just able to, like, like we don't realize, like, 15 years ago, I wasn't able to just jump online and just tear down a stranger, you know, and go to, go to war over my political beliefs or my theological beliefs, or my music tastes, or anything like that, you know? know, And now I am. I mean, it's really crazy. Like, I'm like, I'm arguing with someone that I've never seen before. Like, I have no idea who this person is. And we are having this huge debate that I have not even debated with some of my closest friends, you know what I mean? Um, And so this idea is like, Paul's saying, don't bite and devour one another you know he just said i wish these people would castrate themselves but now he's coming back it's like he's like gets angry and then he's like kind of comes back to grace again you know of like we got to make sure we don't destroy each other you know really watch yourself and i think if christians are good at anything they are really good at destroying each other last night when i was laying in bed it's usually some of my more my better thoughts come at night when I'm just quiet and not doing anything and overthinking and then something, boom, blangs in. And I was thinking like, <sighs> you know, I remember my parents always saying that Christians are the only army that shoot their wounded. You know, the church is really good at biting and devouring one another. Like, I honestly, I don't think like when people like want to go through like scripture wars, verse wars, and you're like, Check out this one and this one and this one. And, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, you know, this verse says this and this verse says that. You know, and you're just like taping like little like fortune cookies up. You know, verses. Um, I think this one should be used more because I think this one gets us. But like, be careful of biting, devouring one another. You know, Galatians five fifteen. You know, we might be consumed by each other if we're not careful. You know, maybe we should use that aggressively. Like, um. Because the church is so divided, you know, and it's so funny because this is what I was thinking about last night was, is restoration. And I think we'll actually get into that in a second, but I'm going to hit it early. Um, I was thinking about my parents and restoration and how so many years of my earlier, early 20s was angry at the church because there was no restoration for my family, you know. And I often thought, like, well, maybe that's what I'll do. Maybe my dad will do that. You know, I think even my dad thought about starting a a pastor's center for restoring people. And I thought, how great it would be to have this, like, cross-denominational restoration center for all fallen pastors. You know, like, come here, and we'll help. You know, if you've fallen, if you've lost, you know, if you've done something bad, whatever, the reason is, we don't care. Just come here. We have therapists, counselors, coffee, you know, whatever. You know, or people who work in church, you know, we have, come stay at the, you know, at the ranch, <laughs> Grace Ranch, Graceland. Um, we're going to buy Elvis's house, and come stay at Graceland, and we'll put you in the jungle room, and we'll all be happy. Um, we'll all get healed and forgiven. Um, unfortunately, no matter how much work you do, other people don't always forgive. Um, not, that obviously never came to pass. Um, But the idea of what is grace and how we restore people um, rather than bite and devouring one another, I was thinking, like, you know, I really had a bad taste of my mouth, especially from conservative evangelicals. And then I was recently thinking, like, you know, they didn't, they actually kind of restored my dad on their own terms. Like, they played it really safe. They didn't run in and go, like, let us help you. But eventually they kind of let him back in, you know, and kind of like, all right, you can do your thing. Which I thought is really weird. But they kind of did, and I was like, oh, you know, I, I didn't see that. And then I was wondering, like, do we in the, on, on the more liberal side churches, do we do that? Do we restore people? You know? I mean, we've become so politically correct that sometimes we just destroy each other over, like, not having the right, like, Political belief, or not the, using the right words, or not having you know being progressive enough. And I mean, I tell you what, it gets really hard to kind of keep up with what's what's the new issue at hand, and what's the new word, and what's what am I supposed to say? I mean, it, sometimes it's just tough, you know, unless you're really paying attention. And uh, and, and so it's tough. And I'm going like, do do, do we as I'm not, I don't want to call myself a progressive anymore. I, I just don't feel like I can in good conscience. Um, but do we, as people more left-leaning, do we, do we forgive and restore people and ministers and people like that? Or do we shoot our wounded? You know, I don't know. I think the whole church could be challenged on that, that we don't bite and devour one another, that we don't destroy one another. Um, because I think we're doing it and we're doing a good job at it and uh, this year's politics you know before years it's been politics um, you know or issues or situations that we've allowed us to bite and devour one another or if someone has a a failure often we celebrate it rather than mourn it Um, I don't know there's a lot we could learn you know we would jump on the bandwagon. Yeah, screw that girl or that guy. Yeah, forget them. You know, how could they? I'm shocked that they're human. You know, um, it's tough. It's really tough. I don't know. Maybe this Christianity thing is harder than I thought. You know, I don't know. I mean, or there's something to it. And maybe that's why philosophers and theologians and smart people have have held on to it for so long and used it, is because there might actually be something to it, this idea of grace and not destroying one another. And it's not just Jesus being like, love your enemies. It's also Paul saying this. You can also look at James and what James, when he says faith without works is dead. You know, I've never really loved that, but then I started to realize that maybe the works he's talking about is loving and restoring and helping each other. Maybe saying your faith is worthless to someone if you're not loving or helping them. And Paul's saying it's you know if you're constantly destroying and fighting with each other, you know, be careful because that's just going to eat you alive. It's almost like, you know, I mean, Paul was very smart. You can tell that he 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 understood the philosophy of his times, and he may have understood uh, psychology even a little bit sometimes. You know, he, he seemed to have a, a good look at maybe. Uh, psychological thinking goes on to say live in the spirit I say and do not gratify the desires of the flesh for what the flesh desires is opposed to the spirit and what the spirit desires is opposed to the flesh for there you are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want now this is something interesting because this is where a lot of people have issue too going like I don't want to be told what to do or what not to do. And we get a little sin list here. Now, I will tell you that this used to be the one area of Galatians that really confused me. And um, one night I was working on a sermon on this area in Galatians. And I was just like, man, I've hit a wall. I've finally found like an asterisk for the grace. You know, I get it now and I don't know what to do and it's not as good as I thought it was. And I called a board member who was a pastor of mine. Um, pastor friend of mine and and I was like I don't know what to do here. I'm kind of kind of let down by Paul and I don't think I'm I think maybe I thought grace was better than it was and I said could you explain this to me? And uh and he did and I was shocked and so I'm going to kind of give you the same explanation I've been given I was given then. So let's look at this. Um, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious. Now, here we go. Are you ready for the works of the flesh, everybody? Buckle up. You're not going to like some of them. Um, but also you need to pay attention to them all. This is the secret. Are you ready? Um, fornication, one of my favorites, Um, impurity, I'm kidding, liciousness, which I need to Google, idolatry, one I really struggle with is, sorcery, um, animentance, what is that? Anybody else reading along with me? No, thanks. Um, We'll just skip it. Strife, jealousy, Anger, quarreling, dissension, and factions, and envy. Now, did you listen to the last ones? Because I could tell you as a kid that I knew that like fornication was an issue. You know, like, all right, yeah, you know, don't do that. (laughs) Or there were loopholes, and I won't get into that. That's a whole other story of evangelical sexual discovery. Um, Maybe I'll do a sermon on that one day because that was really strange. What what you thought you could get away with and couldn't. Impurity, which I can get that wash, Liciousness, idolatry, and I love this, that strife and jealousy and anger, all these things, quarreling, dissension, factions, envy. And then he goes on to drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I'm warning you, Do as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now this is where the issue that I had is that it said these people who do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God because all of a sudden I was like, well, there's your works. So there's my list of sins that if I do, I don't go to heaven, and I had used that. I've had that used for me on me before, and um, but what's really funny is is that the people that don't really always really focus in on the words like factions, like having your own group that everybody thinks they're right. You know, like, I create factions. I'm going to create my own little group, and we're right, and you're wrong. And so, so, does that sound familiar? I mean, he could have just put denominations. Yeah, I did. Drop the mic. in the sermon now. Um, but, Jay, it's not that simple. Yes, I know, but I don't have 18 hours to preach. Um, corals. So you don't, like, you don't hear people, like, talking about, like, yeah, if you argue, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. You know, you don't hear a lot of that, you know. If you have your own factions of groups, and you just go into your own little group and think you're right and everybody's wrong, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. I've not heard that sermon, you know. I've heard, like, if you do adulterous or if you're this, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. If you're a drunk, you're not going, you know. I've heard that, but I've not heard, like, if you're jealous constantly, you're not going to heaven. Now, I will tell you just, Spoiler alert, this verse is not about heaven. And that's where I got confused because I was always told that the kingdom of God was heaven. And so I was thinking about this as some sort of eternal destination, some life after death type of thing. But what Paul's talking about is not life after death in this area. Paul is talking about life before death. You know. I'm trying to remember. I think it was Pete. Gosh, I hate quoting Pete all the time, that guy. He's got a lot of good sayings. What did he say? I'm not. A, somebody asked him if he believed in life after death. And he's like, oh, no, I believe in life before death or something like that. That's my horrible impersonation of an Irishman. Um, um, <laughs> why are you always trying to get my lucky charms? Um, no, but you don't hear people talking about, like, so Paul's literally talking about something that is, Prior to this, it goes on to say, drunkenness, carousing and things like these. I'm warning you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. All right, so what is the kingdom of God? You're about to be, like, nailed right now and find out what it is. Are you ready for that? <laughs> it really blew my mind, like, 15, 20 years ago. I was like, What? Like, Because I just was like, why does Galatians... Like, now I only just don't like chapter 4 because it's boring, you know. But before it was like chapter 4 and part of chapter 5. Um, so maybe I'll have the same experience with chapter 4 one day and call some pastors and be like, why is this bore me? Um, it's boring, man. It goes, by contrast, in 22, of the Spirit... By contrast, the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, do you hear that? Gentleness. Faithfulness. Oh, no, generosity. Faithfulness, the next one is gentleness, and self-control. Do you hear those? I'm going to read those again. The fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, joy, Peace. Patience. Patience is a big one, folks. Um, Kindness. What? You know, we're supposed to be kind and not demand our own way? Is that a Christian? (laughs) Um, On either side (laughs) of of, of the aisle. Um, Generosity, which I'll remind you all when we take the offering at the end. Um, Kidding. Faithfulness, gentleness, being gentle, and self control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become concerned, competing against one another, envying one another. You know? And that's hard to do. Have you ever seen the Preachers and in Sneakers Instagram account? When I'm seeing a preacher like buy tennis shoes that are like two months' rent for me, I go like, Arr! like honestly, I'm not mad that they got sweet shoes, you know. Um, but I'm like, oh, I can't. <laughs> That's my rent, you know. Could you, could? Like, I want to call him be like, Hey, bro, <laughs> could you maybe skip some sneakers for a few months and just pay my rent? I would dig that, you know. <laughs> We're pastors. You're pastor. I'm cool. You're cool, you know. I mean, I don't know what kind of work half these guys are doing, you know. Um, I, I like fashion. I'm just lucky enough to like fashion that's not as expensive, you know. Besides this jacket that I have on, everything else is kind of like, you know, I can go to the the outlet mall or order Dickies online, you know. But what would happen if Dickies were a thousand dollars? Then I'd have a problem. Then I might be on preachers on sneakers, um, you know. I like Vans, and but I do like Red Wing shoes, and those aren't cheap, but they're not a thousand bucks. But man, I grew up with my parents would have totally been on preachers with sneakers when I was a kid. Totally. I mean, my dad had like Rolexes and stuff like that. So I get it, you know. Um, but for me, a lot of the time, it's more about like like jealousy because I'm like, oh, what could I do with that? I could have a bigger place. So now I don't, I don't want the sweet kicks. I just want like I can uh, have a bigger place and maybe hire someone to help clean my house. You know what I mean? You just start getting into this thought. So I mean, like, oh, I'm just going to let it go. It's funny though. And I understand the hypocrisy that it's trying to point out. Um, but let's, So what's happening here is that what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is not heaven. It's life. It's the fruits of the spirit. That's the kingdom of God. It's saying like, if you're drunk all the time, if you're envying all the time, if you're jealous all the time, if you're basically self-medicating all the time to not feel and not deal with your emotions all the time, you're not going to have a lot of peace or patience. Because there's a certain aspect of life that the reality of life is that we have to learn to live life on life's terms. We have to adult and do things that we don't want to. We have to care You know, when we're called to care and love about people. That takes a lot of, uh, of patience. And a lot of kindness and a lot, you know, hopefully some peace and a lot of faithfulness. And sometimes when we're doing these other things, they are able to take away our focus from having these in our life. It's not about saying this stuff is, these are particular sins. It's not about a list of sins. I think sin is just the fact that we're all broken, you know, and just realizing that you're broken and realizing that we're full of contradictions. And that's part of life. And you can't change that even when you realize it. But you can kind of mold life around it. But the idea here is, 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 you know, it's accepting those things. But what it's saying is is that these are the fruits of the Spirit. So it's not saying, like, if you're out creating dissension and jealousy and factions and you're envious of other people and their sneakers, um, you're going to hell. No, what it's saying is, is that if you're constantly worried about what everybody else is doing, you're not going to have a lot of peace. If you're constantly comparing yourself to others, I mean I mean, if you're on Instagram and you follow any of those like inspirational quotes sites that are kind of silly, but also sometimes like, "Oh, that one got me and uh you know there's stuff like you know don't you know don't judge yourself by others, think you know you're yourself, be yourself, be happy, you know, accept yourself, you know we hear that all the time, and Paul's doing the same thing he the what Paul is just saying is is These things come from us living in the kingdom of God is here on earth. It's living life, a life well, a life that we want. When you go into a therapist, is there any of these things on this list that you don't want? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Is there anybody in here that doesn't want anything I just named on the list? You know, and why do I have to go to a therapist to find these things? Because life is really tough and I have a lot of struggles and I need, to, you know, I need better tools to, to get them in my life. This isn't saying these are the things that you have to do because that would make Paul a hypocrite to everything he just said. What he's saying is is when you accept grace, when you accept that yourself is accepted, these things follow. What he's also saying is, is these other things that I just mentioned, in his opinion, get in the way of getting to those things. He's saying these are distractions. He's not saying that these are sins and so you have to write down what your sins are and what to do and you know and have a list of what's, you know, the seven deadly sins. You know, it's not what's what's being said here. What's saying is is if you want to live a life that have more peace, if more gentleness, if you want to be a person that helps other people, these might be things that you need to avoid. And I could use a million examples I could give you for my own life of this kind of stuff uh, for time's sake i 'm not going to go there because we 're already ten past um, but uh, <clears throat> but does, does that make sense? Is that clear to everybody like that like the fruits of the spirit are are he saying like these are good things to have that 's where you experience the kingdom of God by finding peace and patience in your life that that's those are, fruits. Those are fruits of grace, you know, so we don't even have, like, these are fruits of accepting oneself as, they are, as you are, and then all of a sudden maybe you might start to go like, oh, you know what, that person I don't really like because A, B, or C, but you know what, I didn't like myself before because of C, D, and E, you know what I mean? Like, so maybe I can be a little more patient with them because I had to learn to be patient with myself. I mean, that's what's happened to me. It's been this like, cause and effect type of thing. I can't say I've, I've got it all together, but I don't know. I, I hope this helps. Um, and I love the idea that it ends again with, you know, we, if we look at 15, it says, if however you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Then you jump over to 26, and it says, let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. And I think that's something to look at. When we are judging other people, when we are dealing with other people, when we're telling people that they're not progressive or woke enough or things like that, are we competing with them? Are there part of us saying, like, you're not this, but I am? Or sometimes are we highlighting ourselves? And so when we look back and go, like, how much of that is bought out of jealousy or anger? How much of what we do is brought out of anger? You know, I realized I was angry by the way my LGTBQ plus brothers and sisters were being talked about. But when I went, decided to go to war for them, all of a sudden I realized that I had to put, when I went to war for them and met with other preachers who didn't agree with me and stuff like that, it wasn't me being angry and having factions and being right and having it all together weren't my best tools. My best tools were peace love, joy, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those were the best tools that I had to sit down with my people who I felt were my enemies to walk, talk to them and maybe make them better. <clears throat> the other stuff doesn't work. It hasn't worked. And what I would have been going in is just selling them what they sold to me. If I said, join our side and become perfect, you know, that's what they're already saying. I think it's like, how can we think differently? How can we love more completely? How can, we, how can we evolve together? You know, I'm not asking you to change your sign, a statement that says you've changed your complete belief system. Would that be great? Yes, I'd love it. But can I just... Can this conversation, can growth come out of this conversation, out of this, this moment in time? And I saw it happen. But man, it required a lot of patience. You know what? and sometimes what we did this thing afterwards when, when I was working with Soulforce, it was this de- we always did a debrief afterwards, and sometimes the debriefs would be us laughing about like, how weird and awkward the situations were, and other times it would us be us crying and screaming about how horrible it was. So we did make time for that. We didn't become perfect human beings. MLK you know did this all the time with with, with his folks. You know. Um, you know, sometimes we wanted to be like, those guys were assholes. I can't believe they said that you know what I mean? And we needed to have those moments together where we were able to be raw and honest and clear. But I also was able to not say that to them. So it wasn't that guy just became magically perfect and was like oh, that was good. You know, it was like, oh, you know. That was tough. And I had a community where I could go back to and say, that was really tough. But hopefully we'll all be a community one. Hopefully these folks will open up. Anyway. <clears throat> I hope we can grasp that as life, of living life well, living life better, and... um Being a bit kinder to each other. I mean, that's what it's been boiling down to me lately is how are we kinder to each other? How do we make patience and allowances for each other's wrongs? And um, how do we create change? I mean, ultimately, I think that's what a lot of us want to see is change. How do we create change? And, um, And Paul is saying you don't create change through strife and anger and quarreling. You create change through love, peace, and patience, and kindness, and generosity, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. I think gentleness is a good one to highlight because he's not saying you avoid the situation. He's just saying when you go into the situation, try to bring in some gentleness. And if you're the most peaceful one in there, I mean, this was one of the big ideas behind nonviolence, is you're beating me up, and I'm just standing here because I want to be able to sit at the same counter with you. You know, it was showing the other person maybe their motives weren't in the right place. It was exposing the truth, what was really there. You know, what changed things was the news, filming this stuff, seeing these people just being beat. Because they're just like, we're going to have, we're going to be peaceful even when you beat us. That's, that's miraculous. That's saintly. So, I think, we, I think we can change each other through conversations and through spending time with one another. Um, canceling one another, writing each other off, uh, that's not for me. That's not for my work. Um, I'm sure there's folks you can find out who, who, who have good concepts and reasons why that's important to do. Um, but that's not what I'm here to do. And so, there you go. Um, I've got to get my daughter in 15 minutes because I just went long-winded. But we're going to do a little bit of uh, Afterglow response. And I have um, the microphone here. Test one, two. That sounds nice. Tonight we celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm a moron when it comes to microphones. I'm just going to say I just I can't stop. I want to do karaoke. Um, So yeah, this is just where we talk about the service. If you want to talk about it, great. If you don't want to talk about it, no pressure. Um, If you want to run, I would run. So go
0: ahead. I appreciate what you were saying about uh, factions, Jay. It reminded me of the uh, most recent uh, Meet Your Congregation episode that we released with my dad, you know... um, Having you know finding common ground and acknowledging that common ground and even pursuing and nurturing that common ground, yeah um and not getting hung up on you know on on uh, semantics and things like that and um and having patience and and you know showing the fruits of the spirit and those quote unquote works. You know, through our interactions with other people, even the other other Christians, maybe who are on the other side of things, or other people who who don't even identify as Christians, and sharing that love. Yeah. So.
3: Anybody else? Okay.
0: Do we have we have questions on on?
3: Oh yeah yeah.
0: Let me pull that up. One sec. The kids were watching a movie on my phone, so I wasn't able to keep up with, with <laughs> no the problem. questions as they were coming in. Um, I can see. The fruits of yep. grace is really helpful to me. Do you have any thoughts about restoration with people that are in authority and didn't show grace, particularly as a long period as a long period has passed and to date it's not felt safe to do so. I feel very conflicted about whether I have the strength to do so.
2: Yeah, I mean that's that's a good I mean that's a good question. Um, I'm trying to remember that pastor in Colorado. I think it was Colorado. I can't remember his name. He preached about anti-gay message, and then it came out that he was actually gay, and he was getting male prostitutes and things like that. And <clears throat> he was friends with George W. Bush, and he was huge. And the fact that I can't remember his name right now is crazy. Um, but I remember them showing... They Someone did a documentary on him after his life fell apart. And um, his family were living out of a uh, moving van for a little bit. And um, the church didn't want him to come back in the state. They wanted him to leave the state completely and you know would give him his severance pay if he left the state, which I was like, is this the Old West? This is really weird. Um, and... I think there might have been a moment of restoration for this guy, um, but I think ultimately that never happened, and, um, and he went back to doing what he did before. you know. And I, I see that with my dad, too, is, is kind of like he went back to what he knows um, without restoration. Mm-hmm. So I think restoration is, is such a huge thing, Yeah, I think honestly, if we got it, if if we got it in time, if we restored people in time and helped people in time, we could be a part of a a change. I think when people are down, they're more open to grace. And um, sorry, my son needs water. Um, We all require water, don't we? It is tough. I mean, it's like, what is grace when people don't show repentance? Sometimes it's just stepping back and saying, I'm going to forgive that person and not let them haunt me, too. Because I think often we're haunted by people that, that, you know, it is hard. It is hard to show grace. It's like, what do we do to people who are in authority? And, you know, do we restore them when they're not showing grace? I don't know. You know, I mean because we want to rebuild the system that got torn down. I mean, that's a hard question. I mean, I don't really have a great answer for that. I think it's how do we best love? I think each situation is different and unique and that we have to look at it like that. I think to say that there's one way to do it is, is a mistake. I think we have to take each situation and, and weigh it out the best we can.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do consequences, like, go with grace, I guess?
2: Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I, I think I'm mean, going to... How do consequences go with grace? Um, I like... It was from one of Mike Ness's songs, um, Social Distortion. He said we are punished by our sins, not for them. And I like that idea is because it's it's kind of like... To me, it's always been like cause and effect. You know, like... I still have to deal with the consequences. I always used to use this one when I was younger. It's like if I put my hand on a burner, you know, and it it burns me, and I get this ring on my hand, you know, I'm still human. Maybe I'm I'm still forgiven and all that kind of stuff. You know, I could pray about it. But the fact is it's probably that ring is still going to be there. You know what I mean? Um, Because that's what I – there's a cause and effect. There's a consequence to that happening. But um, it doesn't change the fact that maybe – I'm still loved or I still have grace or things like that. It's just cause and effect is just a, a, a reality of, of, of living in the universe that we live in. And so that's how I kind of see it is like, you know, we're not always going to be free of consequences. If somebody kills somebody and asks for forgiveness and they're forgiven, they still have to go to jail. You know, they're still going to go to prison. Um, it doesn't like, oh, you forgave them. Okay. They don't have to go to prison now. Right. You know what I mean? So, to me, I mean, I might be a way oversimplification of it, but that's the best
0: I would have off the top of my head. i think, I think that that's a good uh kind of illustration of the idea of the law, like the Old Testament law and then Christ coming to fulfill the law. It's like so the old law was never ever touch a burner on the stove, you know, and um if you ever even if the burner was off if you, <laughs> if you touched it, it was against the law, and so you had to go. Kill a bunch of doves and uh, you know do do all these ritualistic cleansing things, uh, but then Christ came to, to fulfill the law and say well well it 's love it's it 's almost common sense it 's like yeah you can there 's grace, so yeah, you can still touch that burner, and if it is hot, if you use your discretion um, and you still find out that it 's hot and you still touch it, there are still consequences christ didn 't come to to uh, abolish consequences. Of the law, but to, but to say we are mature enough, we are discerning enough to understand that, that what we do has consequences, and then we're not going to be hated because we broke that law or because we we uh, did something that that brought upon negative consequences. We're not hated. We're not um, we're not uh, void of grace now, you know. But the I guess it's just kind of I'm not sure exactly what my thesis statement <laughs> is there, but I. I, I I find I, th- I think there's a comparison there with the idea of, of old law versus the new law.
2: And showing grace comes with a lot of consequences too, because that's a, it's a real pain. I find to love people that are hard to love.
1: <laughs> um, I'll just say quickly that when you were talking before about biting and devouring each other, I just thought of a dog fight. How it's so vicious and base and. You know, it appeals to the reptilian part of the brain, you know, the yeah. fighting and destructive, you know, destruction of an enemy. And I think the church, churches have become like dog trainers, you know. they People receive lists of things that are they're taught are the most important, you know, that you not be a homosexual or that we, you know that we have health care for everyone or right. know, whatever um, so that we come out ready to fight rather than to accomplish anything positive positive. and I still think that in order to love people there has to be a venue where you can hear their story because you can't really love a person when you're not even willing to know who they are
2: Yeah, it's tough
3: um, I can just um, add something that Jay you brought up in your talk, and is always a big deal to me when I hear it. Is um, the kingdom of God being here in this life right now, and so so different from my understanding of it growing up? And um, every, and I, I hear it every time I hear it. It's a big deal. <laughs> that is yeah. a, that is a big deal. That it's and and um, not even just in this life, but it's right here now. And then when I go out to the car, that's where it will be. And then tomorrow, wherever I am, that's where it will be. Nope. Um, so, oh, it continues to be a big deal. <laughs> so I just wanted to, yes, uh, mention that. And then the other thing is, um, I, I just thought I would add to the talk um, an idea that's floating around in my mind and how I'm, um, how grace is, is in that idea right now. And that is, um, I like this story that I hear, um, um, Buddhist friends mention this about the um the buddha dharma or jesus christ or could be there's there's lots of people that you could say or ideas or teachings that could be in that place that are pointing to the moon and the moon is it the pointing is what 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 allows us to to look at the moon but the teachings themselves aren't the moon and i feel like my current understanding of grace is that grace And when you were talking about hope and faith, and you were reminding us about faith, hope, and grace are important, but the greatest of these is love. That like the moon is love. That's that's all. That's um, everything that there is. Um, But grace is one of those things that helps us to look at the moon. Points in that direction, and it's the kind of thing where I can hear. I can hear you talk about it, and another. Um, other, other people I hear talk about it, and it's so helpful, and I can also go throughout my day and open myself up to looking for it. And the more I look for it, I think the easier it is to see it, too. Yeah. And um, that continuously helps me to look at that, at that greater thing of love in the world. So thanks for your talk.
2: Oh, thank you for your feedback. That's awesome. Anybody else? Yeah, anybody else Milo would like to know. Well, everybody, thank you so much for a great service. And um, thanks, Ken and Caleb, for watching the kids. And as always, we're a nonprofit. Um, it is rent day today. Fun. Um, if you'd like to uh, support Revolution, you can go to revolutionchurch.com or you can put money in Caleb's diamond hat. <laughs> and uh, And we have pizza. And if you didn't grab a donut, grab a donut because they look delicious. All right. Let's get Milo a donut so I can go see his mom. <laughs> Have a good week. Our ministry is supported 100%
1: by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.
2: If you enjoyed this show, you might also like Loosen the Bible Belt with Kristen Becker and myself, Jay Baker. Did you find it bizarre that Tammy Faye wanted to interview
4: you? Well, I didn't, you know, to tell you the truth, I knew who your parents were. And I never really watched a lot of of their programming. But Tammy Faye always struck me as being like, you know, a little outside the typical televangelist (laughs) uh, framework. And so when I was offered that opportunity, I thought, you know... I'm going to give it a shot and uh you know I'm going to do my best to present myself as a real live human being a Christian with faith uh, a Christian living with AIDS a Christian who is homosexual and I don't think that I was prepared for what happened during the course of that interview uh because your mother started off, she did, she wouldn't even say homosexual, you know, she started off by saying, when did you first notice you were different? <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and I introduced the word homosexual, and then she used it, and then, then we switched to gay. and uh, And then finally she started talking to me about having AIDS and all of that. And I could see her opening, her heart was just opening throughout the whole interview. And by the end of the interview, I mean, we were we had a real connection of the heart I could really feel that and that really surprised me I mean, I, did, I didn't expect that that would happen, but it did <laughs>